Hello folks, it's Andy, the Analytical Preacher. I had someone ask me recently about a verse. They said every time they read through this verse in the Bible, that frankly it just frightens them, that it scares them, and then it weighs on their mind for hours or days after they've read the verse, and they've almost gotten to the point where they sort of want to avoid this 12th chapter of Matthew where we find this verse. So let me read the verse. I'm going to actually read a little bit before the verse so that we get the context. Uh, This will be uh, an episode where Jesus was involved in healing someone and and kind of the ruckus uh, that that had caused with some folks. So let's go. uh, Let's start right off Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading in verse 22. It says, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And now we get to the last portion of this section of verses that bothers this individual that concerns them. Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So obviously what Jesus is saying is, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, insulting the Holy Spirit in this way, is unforgivable. It's the unpardonable sin now or in the age to come, whether you repent and confess it or whether you don't. All right, let's set up the context of sort of what was going on here. As Jesus was going around and he was doing miracles, the the supernatural events, in a sense, were getting greater and greater and they were becoming more and more public. And so it was becoming harder and harder for those who were opposed to Jesus to make some claim that he wasn't special. And so this comment about, can this be the son of David, was the people's way of saying, is this the promised Messiah or the promised Christ, this great son of man who was mentioned in the book of Daniel? Is this the one that we're waiting for that God has promised? If this is the Messiah, then we should pledge our allegiance to this new king. And then if the religious leaders follow, fine, but if they don't, then our allegiance will be with the new king, with the new Messiah. And so, again, it it was becoming harder and harder for them. We we sort of saw the same thing. If you remember when Moses was getting ready to lead the people out of Egypt, the first sort of miracles that he did, um, the first kind of plagues that he was going to bring on Egypt or whatever, 
Pharaoh's magicians said, oh, we can do that. That's just a simple magic trick and watch this. But as very quickly as time went on, Pharaoh's magicians said, no, we can't replicate what's being done now. These are truly supernatural events and they must have some supernatural origin. The exact same thing was happening with Christ. So if you are opposed to Jesus, opposed to his ministry, but you can see he's doing greater and greater events and you can see that the people are being drawn more and more to these events, believing that anyone capable of doing these things must truly be at least a prophet from God, if not the king and the son of God, what do you do? Their only option, I guess they felt like, was to say, yes, 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 these do appear to be supernatural, incredible events, but they're not done through the power of God or with the blessing of God. They're actually done through the power of Satan. And that was their way to say, we can't deny what you see. We can't replicate what you see to prove to you that it's just common. Here's what we'll do. We'll claim that what you're seeing is actually demon-driven, Satan-possessed, Satan-empowered, as opposed to empowered by God. Clearly, that is an incredible insult to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, I do my miracles by the power of the Spirit. And here's what we know. Jesus gave them a pretty... um logical explanation for why their uh, explanation of events didn't make sense or a logical reason why their explanation of events didn't make sense. Why, why would Satan be on the earth dividing his own kingdom, casting out his own demons? Uh, if, if Satan were going to empower someone to travel around in uh, Israel and do supernatural events, why wouldn't they be directly opposed to God as opposed to dividing his own house, dividing his own kingdom? So the question then, of course, becomes, if that is the unforgivable sin, if it's the unpardonable transgression to insult the Spirit, to blaspheme him in that way, can we commit the unforgivable sin? It's not clear that we could, even using the definition that we see here, because we're not today in a time of active miracles. We can do a podcast on that later, but the, the period of miracles is now past. The Bible makes that clear. Uh, we're not in a period of active miracles where God is trying to authenticate his messengers and his word through their supernatural events. Uh, so it's not clear that we could anyway, but I guess in theory, you could look back and say that must have been how Christ was doing it. But I remember a preacher saying to me one time that the people who are most concerned about committing this unpardonable sin are actually the people who are either the least likely to do it or what he actually said was the people most concerned with committing the unpardonable sin are actually the people who are incapable of committing the unpardonable sin. And this was his justification. If you truly believe that there is a God and you truly believe that Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus is going to judge man and you, so therefore you would believe the Bible, you would believe the gospel message. If you believe that there's a God who can punish you for insulting the spirit, you would in no way ever believe that Jesus was doing his miracles through the power of Satan. So today there may be some who say, I don't believe in a God. I don't believe that Jesus was a person, sure, that walked around in Nazareth and was crucified by the Romans, but I don't believe that Jesus was any kind of God or son of man or Messiah. That's okay because that can be forgiven. 
If the Spirit convicts you and you decide to turn in faith to this God of the Bible, to this Jesus the Christ, you can be forgiven that sin. If you don't believe that Jesus was real and there, why would you worry about how he committed his supernatural events? If you do believe in God and the God of the Bible and Jesus as his son, then you clearly wouldn't think he's of the devil and you wouldn't commit this sin. So it, I just do not believe today that it's really possible, at least not possible for anyone who cares to commit this sin. If you know that Jesus is who Jesus claimed that he was, then you know that his supernatural works, including his resurrection, were powered by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, we call him, or the Holy Ghost, some translations will say. And you're not going to even get close to, it's not even really possible for you to commit this unpardonable, unforgivable sin. Now, I've had people say to me, but I've doubted God severely. I've questioned God in my prayers. I've screamed at God in a hospital waiting room and told him that I hated him and that I think that he's unfair. I've not gone to church most of my life. I've used God's name in vain as a cuss word over and over and over. But the Bible doesn't say any of those things are unforgivable. You have to confess them. You have to turn back to God in repentance with faith in Jesus Christ in order to be forgiven for those things. But you absolutely can be forgiven for those things. The only thing you could not be, according to the Bible, the only thing you could not be forgiven for is for insulting the Spirit by saying, Jesus, I do believe you did supernatural works, but I do not believe those supernatural works were of God's power. I believe they were of Satan's power. In that case, you have insulted or blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And then Christ says that that is not a forgivable sin. Um, I can assure you from having read the scriptures cover to cover that all of the supernatural works that we see in the Bible are a spirit-empowered. Um, Jesus did many things, including creating the universe and raising people from the dead and, and being involved in raising himself from the dead. Uh, those are all spirit-empowered wonders, uh, and we just simply don't have to worry about that or, or, or question that really at this point. And if you are listening to this podcast, again, I would almost guarantee you, you are literally not capable of committing this unpardonable sin. But here's what happens often as we read through scripture. We would see people who would come to Jesus, so they would come to one of the apostles after Jesus, and they would have a specific question like perhaps, Jesus, is it possible that I have accidentally committed the unpardonable sin and will now be doomed to Hades forever? And Jesus would say, no, you don't need to worry about committing the unpardonable sin. Here's what you need to worry about. There's a couple of other places in the Bible, and, and it's verses written by the Apostle Paul. And in one of them, Paul says that we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. And in another one, he says we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I think what would happen if I went to Jesus or went to one of the apostles and I was really concerned and I was talking about, I'm afraid I've committed this unpardonable sin and is it possible and what do I do about it? They would say to me, are you honestly trying to turn people away from Jesus by claiming that his miraculous powers were of the devil? Well, no, of course not. I would never try to turn anyone away from Christ. In fact, 
I've turned my life toward Christ, and I would, if anything, try to turn other people toward Christ, not away from Christ. And I would certainly never lie about the source of his power in order to turn them away from Christ. Then they would say, okay, then stop worrying about the unforgivable, unpardonable sin and focus on the things in your life that you can do right or that you can do wrong. They may not be unforgivable, but the Bible warns us, be careful about quenching the Holy Spirit are grieving the Holy Spirit. And so let me close this podcast by talking a little bit about those things because those individuals who have wondered, who have been concerned whether they've committed the unpardonable sin, they haven't. But what they may be doing is quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me read you the quenching uh, one first. And you're going to find that in your Bible in the book called First Thessalonians. It's going to be in chapter 5. I'm actually going to start in verse 16 again, just to sort of set us up. And I'll read 5, uh, 16 through verse 22. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of of evil. Okay. What does this mean? Paul, being a Jewish rabbi by training, would say things like, do not be anxious about anything, or say things like, do not quench the spirit. And then immediately following the comment, he would explain what that means. And so we said, Paul says, do not quench the spirit. We would say, well, apostle, how do we not quench the spirit? And he would say, do not despise prophecies, test everything, hold what is good, abstain from every form of evil. We don't speak a lot about prophecies and despising prophecies today. This is what Paul meant. There were ways that God authenticated his word and his messengers. And I've actually covered that. It's in another podcast you can search and find. It's called, How Do We Know the Bible is True? And what Paul is saying is, because when Paul wrote this, the Bible had not been completely written. The New Testament had not been completely written and completely compiled. And so Paul is saying, you're going to have different teachers, different prophets, different um, t- uh, preachers that are going to come to you. What you have to do is test what they're saying. Test it against existing scripture. Test it against what the other apostles are saying. And the other ways that we've talked about again in that podcast, how do we know the Bible is true? about authenticating God's message. The Holy Spirit, we're told, helped man write the Bible. So the Bible says of itself that it was written by men as they were carried along by the Spirit and that nothing captured and compiled in the Bible was written of man's own mind or man's own fruition, uh, but was given to man by the Spirit of God. And so to quench the Spirit, today's world simply means this. We have the Bible compiled for us. And so this idea of testing individual prophets doesn't, isn't as relevant to us. The way we would read that today is the Bible has been completed. It's been compiled. It's been approved. But do we hold to the teachings of the Bible? Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise the teachings of the Bible. Believe what the Bible says. Hold fast, Paul said, to what is good and abstain from everything that the Bible says is evil. So how do I quench the Holy Spirit? Simply this way. The Spirit says, I had the Bible 
written for you. I had the Bible translated into your language. And I had the Bible protected, some of the Old Testament letters for 3,500 years, and the New Testament writings for over 2,000 years to provide you with ultimate truth and ultimate light. Don't despise it. Don't pick and choose what you like from it and you don't like from it. Believe it. Hold fast to it and abstain and walk away from everything that it says is evil. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit is saying, you're really quenching me. You're really putting me out. I spent all of these centuries using all of these writers to put the Bible together, and you're essentially ignoring what I told you. That is something that the modern church should definitely worry about. We're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit in an unpardonable way, but are we quenching the Spirit when we say, well, that Bible's kind of old and it's 2,000 years and some of the things it says really kind of cramps my lifestyle. Um, that's what we should be worrying about as opposed to have we committed the unpardonable sin. Let me give you the grieve the Holy Spirit of verse. Same writer, the Apostle Paul. We're going to be in a different letter, the letter to the Ephesians now. Uh, and, and you'll find that in the New Testament in uh, the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be in chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 30 to 32. Paul says here, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We use the same process here. Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. First, he answers why, If in case we would ask, well, Paul, why would we not want to grieve the Holy Spirit? He says, because you were sealed by the Spirit for the day of redemption when you came to faith in Christ and were baptized. But then how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? And he tells us, he says, when you are, when you're angry with others, when you're selfish and that selfishness creates anger and it creates malice and it creates bitterness between you and another person that deeply grieves the spirit of God. The way to overcome that is to be kind and tender hearted to one another and always willing to forgive one another. So to blaspheme the spirit and commit the unpardonable sin is, is just not going to happen, especially among believers today. It's something we should read and understand. I don't think it's something we should be losing sleep over. Whether we are quenching the Spirit by ignoring the Bible that the Spirit had written down for us, or whether we are grieving the Spirit by how we treat fellow human beings, I do think those are two things that Christians should be concerned about, that we should be on the lookout and be very intentional about. The Spirit allowed God to speak to us through the Bible. We should hear that voice. We should respect that voice of the Bible. And then we should treat our fellow human beings, Christian and non-Christian, in the way that the Word of God, recorded by the Spirit, teaches us to do it. All right, folks, until next time, this is Andy.